You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. So this morning we're continuing our series titled, Family Matters. I'm not talking about matters within the family. I mean, that's a part of what I'm doing, but that title, specifically what I mean by that is family matters in our culture. It matters. The family unit matters. As we discussed last week, the family unit is the bedrock to any society. You can go back throughout history and what what you end up with whenever you have strong societies is you can trace them back to strong households. When you have strong households, you have strong families. Therefore, family matters. Amen, pastor. Amen. And in our society, the patterns that we often um, fall into is we get distracted by the symptoms of our society with ever getting to the root of the sickness. You hear what I'm saying? And I can't help but notice that so many of the issues that we see in our culture ultimately can be rooted back to the family unit. The family unit. In any society, whenever the family unit is weakened, you can guarantee that that society is weakened. Statistics show us, I don't need to quote them again, there is a plethora of of statistics to pull from thousands and thousands of psychology uh, statistics to pull from that say that, that children often experience a better quality of life when they come from a strong household. And I want to challenge you this morning that strong households are rooted in Christ. Come on, somebody. Strong households, strong families are rooted in Christ. And so this morning, we're going to continue this series titled Family Matters. And as I mentioned last week, if you're younger here and you may be saying, Pastor, I'm single, if you hope to have a family someday, this sermon applies to you. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm a, I'm a grandparent, I did my time. Guess again, because there's this thing called grandkids. And I want to encourage you that you know, some, some grandparents, you guys, grandparents in the room, you carry this special gift where my kids really, I'm trying to teach them that what I say matters. You know, we're going through that stage with my three-year-old, like, listen, what I say is the law of the land. The family home is not a democracy, it's a theocracy, and I'm Theo. <laughs> and so trying to convey this message to my three-year-old, but grandparents you carry this natural influence, and I, I assume it's because of all of the candy and you give the grandkids whatever their sweet little faces want, and then you give them back to your kids, which is wrong. But you carry this gift where your grandkids are interested in the things that you say, whereas mom and dad often have to fight for the, the attention of their kids. Is it just me? Is there, are there any other parents in the room? Okay. And so it's one of those things, grandparents, I would say, make sure that, that you pay attention to the sermon series because the things that we talk about, you can apply. If you say, Pastor, you know, maybe there, there aren't any young kids in your lives, I guarantee you that there's going to come a time when you're around kids, whether it's a close friend of yours who has them and friends, the family unit in the United States of America has been dismantled. And it is in need of repair. And the church has something to say about this topic. And when you have something to say that is biblical, you're offering hope. And I want to encourage you, whether whatever demographic you find yourself in this morning, singleness, married, young parents, whatever it may be, grandparents, whatever it may be, I want to encourage you to tune into this series because I guarantee that there's going to come a point in time where this is going to be resourceful to a season in your life. Is this making sense this morning? In just a second, we're going to be turning to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 
verses 1 through 8. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, verse 1 through 8. If you don't have your Bible with you this morning, we're going to be showing the scriptures up on the screens. Uh, I also want to point out, I, I, you're going to hear me re, uh, referencing these resources weekly. Um, if you are looking for um, parental guidance, you know, on establishing a Christian home, maybe you come from a divorced home and you're working through that. How do I apply various biblical principles in the situation that I'm in? A great resource that I would like to throw out there is um, first Dr. James Dobson, incredible Christian counselor that I would encourage parents to take note of. Dr. James Dobson covers many different areas, has a ton of resources available online. And I also want to mention another resource that I have used for this sermon series and will continue to pull from is a resource called Focus on the Family. Focus on the family if you go to their website once again. Whatever season you find yourself in in life, whatever questions you have, they have outstanding resources. An example of this is um, my daughter, the ginger uh, gene is strong in her. So she's been given the gift of boldness. And Dr. James Dobson has an outstanding book um, called The Strong-Willed Child. Thank you. And so I want to encourage you, if you have a bolder child in your household, if you don't, don't talk to me. It's just going to make me angry. But if you have a bolder child in your house, this um, book gives great resources on navigating that boldness, putting an outlet for that boldness. So focus on the family, Dr. James Dobson, incredible resources. Are you ready for the word this morning, church? The first thing that I want to point out this morning is every family unit requires balance. Every family unit requires balance. And there is just so much in our culture that is throwing us off balance. I will never stop saying that these stupid things are constantly throwing us off balance. The schedules never end, right, parents? The schedules just get busier and busier. And we, and we fall into this foolish line of thought thinking that, that because we're technologically advanced, I can handle it all, pastor. I'm like Iron Man. I got it. And there's nothing as devastating as believing that, having that false notion and then coming to the conclusion that you can't because you're human. There's so many things in our culture that are throwing family units that are, that are competing really to throw us off balance. So this morning, I just want to point out that every family unit needs balance. And we're going to be talking about three biblical truths that give us as the family unit balance because it's necessary. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot, a time to kill Hunters, hunting season is right around the corner, praise God. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep, a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. It's a beautiful verse because it gives us this balance, right? This scripture gives us a sense of there are seasons in life that all of us are going to go through. Good seasons, bad seasons. I love the beauty in this verse because it covers all of the bases that, friends, that we have to be in tune with times and seasons. Have you ever made the mistake of trying to introduce something at the wrong time? Anybody else out there? And what do you end up with? An awkward moment. Have you ever tried to bring something into your life that just wasn't in the season that God had for you and it led to frustration and you're kind of sitting back going, but God, why? It just wasn't the right season. 
Being in tune with the seasons and times brings balance to our lives because when we try and force something in a season that we're not in, friends, it, it tips us over. It makes us a little wobbly, off balance. For example, we fall off balance when we are not matching things up, like I said, to the seasons of life that we're in. An example of this is parents that didn't realize how much time, tears, and effort children take. Thank you. <laughs> and so you ha- there's some parents that they have kids and they try and force a season of, how do I say this delicately? A season of wanting more independence than what parents can have with kids. And when parents try and force this weird independence and freedom into the midst of neglecting raising children and the responsibilities that come with that, we all know it's not rocket science that what you'll have is broken kids. You'll have neglected, broken kids. That's an example of being out of tune with the time and the season and trying to force something, trying to make something happen. That we're just not in that season. Another example is when kids receive too much independence and freedom beyond their age because we didn't wait for the right time. We didn't wait for maturity and character to take root in their lives. And when you give kids who don't have character and integrity and maturity independence, it throws them off balance. And what you end up with is a self-entitlement. You end up with a I can do whatever I want mentality. And it's not bad, hear me out, it's not bad giving kids independence, right? We have to be in tune with the seasons and times. Otherwise, we get thrown off balance. Is this making sense this morning? The family unit matters. Balance in the family unit matters. Balance keeps our sanity, parents. Come on, somebody. It keeps us grounded. A great example of when we are off balance of how uh, anxiety and stress comes into our lives. And have you ever noticed that parents, when you're off balance, when something isn't right in the family home, like the most ridiculous things anger you? You know what I'm talking about? Like when you had a a really long day and things aren't matching up and you're stressed and you're anxious and you walk in the door and the kids are being really, really loud and you're just like, I'm going to block them out. No, you're not. And they're screaming and they're being loud and there's nothing wrong. They're being kids. But you're off balance. And every little sound just kind of eats at you. And if we live in that unbalanced behavior and attitude, we're bound to do something stupid, especially men, because that's like a God-given gift we've been given, right? We get off balance and we say foolish things and do foolish things. A great example of this is I'm going to show a clip here in a moment from a classic movie titled Father the Bride. And poor George Banks in Father the Bride, he's off balance He's experiencing the stress of wedding planning. He's experiencing the stress of uh, dads paying out, you know, to all of the wedding venues. And he's, he's going through this stress and he is about at his limit. He's off balance. And this is a prime example of foolish things that we can do when we, when we cause to zoom in and magnify things that aren't really a big deal. But because we're off balance, they're a big deal to us. Media team, would you show the video clip of this prime example? Nina said, as long as I was escaping, would I mind escaping to the market and picking up something for dinner? Sure, that was all I needed, a busy supermarket. I needed to drive, mellow out, get my mind off the wedding. But mellowing out was not in the cards. Excuse me, sir, what are you doing? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I want to buy eight hot dogs and eight hot dog buns to go with them. But no one sells eight hot dog buns. They only sell 12 hot dog buns. So I end up paying for four buns I don't need. So I am removing the superfluous buns. 
Uh, I'm sorry, sir, but you're gonna have to pay for all 12 buns. They're not marked individually. Yeah. You wanna know why? Because some big shot over at the Wiener Company got together with some big shot over at the Bun Company and decided to rip off the American public. Because they think the American public is a bunch of trusting nitwits who pay for Demi things security. they don't need rather than make a stink. Well, they're not ripping off this nitwit anymore because I'm not paying for one more thing I don't need. George Banks is saying no! Who's George Banks? Me! Uh, why don't we just calm down now, sir? I'll tell you why we don't calm down. Because you're not excited. It takes two people for a we to calm down, doesn't it? Uh, that I don't know, sir. I'm just the assistant manager of a supermarket. But I'll tell you this. If you don't pipe down and pay for those buns, I'm going to call the police. Oh, right. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, right. That's right. Hey, right. Hey, hey, come here. Uh -uh. Come here. Uh -uh. Come here. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. That was the low point. Flipping out over four hot dog buns. Poor George Banks. What happened? Why did he react that way? Because parents, we're not on our best game when we're off balance. And what happened to George Banks is he was off balance as he was going through a season and a difficult one at that and wasn't balancing out some time away with a stressful time and kind of unplugging and relaxing. And what ended up happening is emotionally he's building and building and building and building and you see what happens. Hot dog buns. Things that really don't matter in life, but whenever we're off balance, it seems like the biggest deal in the world. And the reality is, is it's not fair for our kids, family, whenever we're off balance. It's not fair to them. Health doesn't come out of being off balance. So this morning, I want to discuss three biblical truths that will help us bring balance into the home and in, into the family unit. The first is this, in order to bring balance into the family unit, parents must be in leadership of the home. First is this, parents must be in leadership of the home. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 through 4 says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. And I love this balance. Because it also brings us as fathers, as mothers into balance. Fathers, and this applies to mothers as well. Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. There's just no debating this scripture, right? Cut and clear. I love cut and clear. Have you ever built Ikea furniture? Not cut and clear. I don't care. I know we have some IKEA fans in the house this morning. You can come complain to me after. But I just IKEA. I can't do it. I would rather build and I have built a piece of furniture from scratch than follow the instructions of an IKEA manual. Not cut and clear. But in this scripture, I take comfort. Children are called to submit to their parents with the understanding that their parents are living in a godly way, that their parents are not exasperating them in sinful ways, but their parents are living righteously, walking with Christ. And with this model, parents following Christ, kids submit to the parents. It's just that cut and clear. As parents, you call the shots, you set the boundaries, you set the standard, you are the leader of the home. Children, obey your parents. And I love how this plays out so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy a long life on earth. And the reason why I love how this scripture combines these things, children, obey your parents, you'll experience a longer life. I love that it combines that because children learning to submit to authority is a lifelong skill. Come on, somebody. 
It is a lifelong skill that sets them up to do better in school, to do better when they become parents, to do better whenever they have to submit to a boss or a manager at their workplace. It's a lifelong skill. And we see that what what happens whenever parents don't, or excuse me, children don't yield to the parents' authority, we see how that plays out. It doesn't take long to research that animal. What we end up with is a lot of anger, no outlets, misunderstanding of, authority, of the chain of command, the authority, and things get ugly for our kids. And the irony is in this is sometimes as parents, we don't discipline because we feel like it's benefiting the child when in fact it's destroying them and it's bringing down their quality of life. It's critical that children learn to obey their parents. It's critical in how they respond, like I mentioned, to a boss in the workplace. It's critical for school teachers. It's critical for grandparents. Come on. And ultimately, and this is why it's so important, It's important that they understand that we're called to submit to higher authorities because it will impact the relationship with God. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. It is a theocracy. If anybody has a right to tell us how to live, it's God. If anyone has a right to tell me standards for my life, how I should be a father, how I should be a husband, it's... And children need to understand that. And it's not a popular topic in churches. I know, shocking, right? The authority of God is not a popular topic in the Christian community today. But it's necessary. Because it's a part of who God is. Have you ever heard the term, the judgment seat of God? It's important that our children learn that He is God and they are not. It's important for their life. This scripture doesn't bring up those two things out of randomness. This scripture is so far ahead of its time because now we have studies that can be performed that validate that this is a a, a life skill, that it's critical to the development of a child. And I want to just be clear before moving on to this next point. Authority doesn't mean cruel and inconsiderate. Amen? Because we've experienced so much abuse of authority nowadays that when you mention authority to a younger generation, they kind of step back and go, you want me to punch my kid? And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because the abuse of authority is so prevalent in our nation, now we have to define healthy authority. Because make no mistake that God's version of authority is healthy. Authority doesn't mean cruel and inconsiderate. Healthy authority is loving and firm. Do you see the balance there? Loving and firm. Healthy authority sets in place consequences to actions with the desired outcome being that the child will experience a better quality of life. That's in our hearts as parents, right church? Our heart isn't to be cruel. Our heart isn't to get even. My goodness. Our heart is to set in place boundaries and disciplinary actions for their benefit. As a matter of fact, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12 says this, Because the Lord disciplines those He loves. As a father, the son He delights in. Do you hear that? God loves those who he disciplines. Why? Because just like whenever my daughter is about to touch the hot top of the, of the oven and I stop her, how cruel would I have to be to say, ha ha, watch this, right? I mean, come on, it's okay. You can laugh at that. That's sick. But there's an understanding that I'm going to do everything I can to stop her from touching that stove because I don't want her to get burned. The discipline is for 
her benefit. And we've become so off balance that now discipline is painted as abusive. That now we have a world that's saying, no, 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 don't discipline, compromise. Ask the child what treat they want. Oh my. And now we have a generation that doesn't understand the concept of authority. And it's a two-edged sword because we have a generation that abuse authority, but on the other end, we have a generation that doesn't understand it. And now we've got to come back to point A, friends, where we say family matters. It matters in the lives of our kids. It matters in this generation. Discipline is a loving action. So where has this misunderstanding of who's in charge come from? Because in generations past, you see, generations past were, were really big, where the parents were big and the kids were really small, right? And now we have flipped that rather than meeting in the middle, and now the kids are really big and the parents are really small. And in doing this, we've in many ways have made our children our idols that we worship. What gets your attention and your time and your passion is what you worship, friend. And when our kids, when our lifelong goal becomes to amuse and appease our kids, oh my, 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 we're off balance. We've got to get this thing back on track where parents, you are called to be leaders in your home. Amen, church? You're the leader. We must bring balance by making sure that our kids are heard, loved, and cherished. Absolutely. It's not wrong to spend time with your kids, and we're going to balance this out here in just a moment. I love my kids. I love spending time with them. It's what we're called to do. It's a part of being a good parent is investing time into them, and I get all of that, but we have to come to the understanding that at the end of the day, I'm the parent, and they aren't. I'm the leader. They aren't. Two, in order to bring balance into the family unit, spend time with your children. Spend time with them. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. What gets your time, what gets your passion? Love is spelled time. Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way that they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Another scripture that I want to mention this morning is Psalm 32, 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy with all upright in your heart. You know that joy is the characteristic of a truly Christian home? Joy is a characteristic of a truly Christian home. Train them up is an investment of time. That scripture verse is challenging us to put time into teaching, into lessons, into uh, biblical lessons, absolutely. But friends, the reason why I mention the scripture of joy this morning is because I don't want us to get caught up in the workflow of constantly hitting our kids over the head again and again and again and again with scripture so much so that they resent it. There's a balance that has to take place. Amen, church? And I don't want us to become so serious and so fixated on you will love Jesus and enjoy him. Now let's worship. I don't want us to forget that having families, having kids is fun. Those of you who have toddlers know this. The things that they come up with, the things that they say, there's never a dull moment. Being in a family unit, don't forget to enjoy it. Parents, don't become so serious and so fixated. Don't get me wrong, as we've already discussed, the spiritual development of our children takes precedence over everything else, and I get that. But don't become so harsh and so fixated on it that we neglect joy. Because joy is necessary for your children too, amen, church? Joy is a true characteristic of a Christian home. I mean, Psalm 32, 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. It's what we experience today in our worship, right? We enjoy the joy of the Lord during our worship. It's just, it comes with knowing Jesus. It comes with serving him. There's a, a joy that wells up. Yes, train them. 
But training doesn't mean boring. Come on, somebody. Training can be fun, engaging. It doesn't have to always be so serious. Family is a lot of fun. And the adventures that you have are a lot of fun. For example, I find myself now, you know, sitting on the back of my parents' uh, porch frequently with my siblings. And when we sit there and, and talk and reminisce about our days of growing up in my parents' household, the stories that come out, oh my, especially the stories that they didn't know about. Yeah, mom, dad, that's why half the car was wrecked and you didn't notice. And there's all these stories that come out. And I think one of my favorites growing up is we had this, this Immel household feud over CDs. You remember those? We had this family feud over CDs. And anytime we got in the car, um, my brother was just getting... Uh, his license and driving. And during this time to have a big SUV was kind of like a, a cool thing. So we had a, a GMC Envoy. It was like a tank. And anytime that my brother had the car, one, he would always leave it on E. <laughs> Praise God. And two, the stereo would always be blasting. Enter the family feud. And so what ended up happening was we would get so frustrated with each other's CDs that were in, and when you turn the car on, already playing. Um, I believe it was my brother who did this, where my dad actually left one of his CDs blaring and playing, and Ben turned on the car, and Ben wound the window down and threw the CD out like a Frisbee. <laughs> and so it began. Whoever left their CD in the car, it was gone. And I remember we were standing at the church one night. My dad was a pastor and, and uh, he, was, he had just left. And we typically came to Wednesday night church separately just because my dad's schedule was more demanding. He got at the church before the family. And so I remember us getting in our cars and we see dad driving by the church and he's laughing hysterically. And we're like, why is he so joyful? And it wasn't about five seconds after somebody said that, that we see a CD getting about 50 yards out the window. The score is now three to two, Dad. <laughs> Being in a family, it's fun. Don't forget to enjoy it. Don't forget, when was the last time you laughed with your kids where, I mean, you had that wheezing, asthmatic laugh going on? When was the last time that, you know, you just sat down and, and just had a storytelling night? Friends, I don't want us to be known as the serious Christians. Spiritual business is serious. But let's not let it come at the cost of the joy of the Lord, right? Amen, church? Amen. Spend time with your children. Enjoy the moments with them because it doesn't last long. Enjoy the time with your kids, with your grandkids. Invest into them. Don't make the mistake of being the person where someday when you're lying in the hospital ready to meet Jesus, that you're lying on a bed full of regrets. Make sure that you can lay there and say, I spent every moment teaching my kids, yes, but enjoying the ride. Joy is a characteristic of a truly Christian home. Amen, church? Lastly, and if the tech booth wants to play us some worship music, that would be great. In order to bring balance into the family unit, marriage must take the front seat, not kids. In order to bring balance into the family unit, marriage must take the front seat, not the kids. If you can turn that down, please. When the parental unit takes a hit, it's the kids that suffer. I want to encourage parents in the room today to protect your marriage. Prioritize it. As we've already discussed, time is incredibly important. Time with your kids is incredibly important. I want to challenge you today 
to make sure that you're spending time with your spouse. One of the mistakes that we've made in our time, in our generation, is not dating our spouses. We have this visual image that someday when the kids are grown up and and out of the house and we'll get back to to marriage. My spouse and I will get back to marriage whenever the kids are out out of the house and we have time for it. And this, this, I don't even know what to call it. It, it, It's just a mistake of priorities. Because statistically what ends up happening is the kids are out of the house and the couple now feels like they don't even know each other. And what ends up happening is the years go by and it becomes all about the kids and investing into them and the couple begin to grow apart. Marriage must take the front seat in order to bring balance into the home. It just has to. It has to be a priority. Don't wait. Because time goes by so quickly. Time goes by so quickly. Make sure that you're prioritizing time with your spouse. Well, pastor, I don't know where to start. You haven't seen my calendar, man. You haven't seen the weekly demands, the daily demands. And I just want to pause and walk through this just for a couple of moments with you. First, healthy couples don't find time together. They make time together. If you wait for the right time to take your spouse out on a date, never going to happen. Life is going to keep happening. You're going to keep going through the motions. You're going to keep surviving the daily activities, what's demanded of moms and dads and and all of these things. And what's going to end up happening is time is going to go by very quickly. And soon you're going to be standing there saying, I should have dated my spouse. Healthy couples don't find time. Mom, dad, Put it on your calendar and hold it is sacred. Nothing comes in between your time with your husband or your wife. Nothing. Well, pastor, I'm just kind of timid to take that step because how will the kids perceive it? In a healthy way. Because they see mom and dad as together. There's a scripture that says, let no man separate what God has joined together. You know that God's a part of your marriage? When you went through the ceremony of of marriage and, and singles, please hear me out today. When you, as you approach that day of your wedding day, as you picture it, please understand the seriousness of what happens at the altar. It's not just going through the motions. You are taking a covenant between you and your spouse and holding it up and saying, here, God, I'm entering in to a covenant between my husband, my wife, and God. It's a serious thing. It's so much more than a Disney fairy tale. It's a covenant unbreakable between you and God. Make it a teachable moment with your kids that mom and dad are a team and value one another enough to still date one another. And as you're doing this, as you're living it out, it actually benefits your kid. Isn't that crazy how God does that? As you prioritize your spouse, your kids are therefore influenced and it better equips them for marriage someday. It's beautiful the way that God's plan works out, friend. Because when you begin to follow God's plan, when you begin to prioritize what he says to prioritize, it inevitably pours into your kids. It's overflowing. It influences how they perceive marriage. They now perceive mom and dad as inseparable, as together they begin to perceive marriage as this serious thing. And I want to encourage you to have those conversations with your kids. You say, honey... Someday, some punk boy is going to date you. And I'm going to threaten him. I might even have him dig a hole just for kicks and giggles. (laughs) 
make it a teachable moment where you also say, honey, I, I want you to know, if you have regrets around this topic, parent, your kids know. If they're older and you have regrets about this, say, I wish I would have dated more. Wish I would have dated your dad, your mom more. And I'm doing that now and I want you to know that whatever it may be, have the conversation, but make sure that our kids understand that dating your spouse is a priority. Amen, church? Date each other, even if it's just once a month. Set that time aside and hold it as sacred. Take turns picking what the date activity is. I know my wife has already said multiple times, I'm not a mini golfing fan. I'm not going to take her mini golfing. But I also know that like fall time as a husband is my time to shine. My wife loves fall. And so do I because it's deer season. Take into consideration their interests, their likes. Put them first and take turns putting one another first. All right, we're going to be on a rotation this month, my activity. Next month, your activity. Have fun with it. Remember that joy thing that we talked about? One of the things that irritates me to no end is when I hear husbands dragging their wife's name through the mud. Oh, she never gets off my back. I, I don't want to sow those seeds because I know what reaping them looks like. I've heard too many stories of what reaping those seeds looks like. I don't want any part of that. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. He died for the church. Take turns saying you pick what you want tonight. Date your spouse. If the marriage does not place Christ at the center, you can guarantee it will be on a pathway to off-balance destruction. If your marriage and relationship isn't Christ-centered, I can guarantee you that you're off-balance. Christ teaches us to be selfless. How many of you would agree that that's necessary for our marriages and relationships? Come on, somebody. Selflessness in a generation that is all about me, all about I. We need marriages that say, no, 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 it's not about me. I took a covenant with God. This is about me being selfless, meeting her needs, his needs. And if two couples, I love the way one marriage counseling book put it. They said, if two couples have each other's best interests in mind, they won't lack anything. If you're constantly thinking about what your spouse needs, and vice versa. But friends, who enables us to have that kind of selflessness? You're not going to get it on your own. A relationship with Jesus. When you reflect on his goodness, on who he is, when you reflect on wanting to please him with your marriage, with your life, you will inevitably become selfless. You can't run after Jesus and, and get more selfish. It just doesn't happen. As you get to know the one who laid his life down for you, you will inevitably become selfless. What does Christ-centered marriage look like? It means that we are completely allowing Christ to fill the holes in our lives. If you have pains and hurts from your past, from your upbringing, whatever it may be, do not look to your spouse to fill those holes and hurts in your lives. And, and gentlemen, this is specifically prevalent in men. There's a savior complex where men kind of take pride in, in filling those hurts and those holes in their, in their wives' lives. It's just one of those things that come with the nature of being a man is I feel like I'm the provider. I got this and, and I'm going to make sure that the holes in her life and hurts that I heal you can't. You never will. And if you try to be your spouse's savior, you're going to end up angry and frustrated. But if you and your spouse turn to Jesus, come on, somebody. When you and your spouse turn to Jesus and say, God, I have hurts that no one can heal except you. And you allow him and you say, God, would you take this hurt off of me? And you begin to pour time into your prayer and in your devotion. Friend, here's the incredible thing about Jesus. He still is in the business 
of healing the brokenhearted. And lastly, if you would stand with me as we conclude this morning. Our strength comes from Jesus by us seeking to be better spouses with his help. Once again, it's about recognizing you and I have got to come to the conclusion that there is a vast difference between trying to be a better spouse and allowing Christ to make us a better spouse. Are you hearing me this morning, church? One can be faked, but only for so long. It has a shelf life. But when you allow Christ to come into your heart and you say, Lord, here I am, help me to be a better, and you fill in the blank, whatever it is, the area that you're struggling in, here's the beauty. He's so faithful and so gracious that he does. He does enable us to be that. And that what makes all the difference is when you and I recognize that Christ is the only thing. Come on, friends. He is the only person that can restore marriages, that can set marriages on a strong foundation. He's the only one that can heal hurts in our lives. He's the only one where I've seen fathers who come from severely abusive homes where they should be by all means walking in their abusive father's steps and they're not and they're loving, and they're caring, and they're selfless, and there's a balance of authority, and there was one individual who came from such a wrecked home life, and yet he was an incredible dad, incredible. And I looked at him, and I said, dude, who taught you? Who taught you how to be such an incredible father? Because you're killing it. And I'll never forget him just turning and looking at me, and he said, there's two things. First, I turn to Jesus. And his word tells me how to be the best dad because I serve the best father. And I took notes from my heavenly father, not my earthly one. His words. And he said, secondly, I surrounded myself with godly men in the church. Because the company that you keep will determine the character that you breed. We have an awesome men's ministry here. And I would encourage you, I would challenge you, I double dog dare you. And if that's not enough, maybe I'll pay you. Come talk to me after the service. <laughs> Men and women, we have an awesome men's and women's ministry that meets here. And it's more than just a social gathering. It's men and women who will come alongside of you, who will cheer you on, who will mentor you, who will speak life into your life in a generation that only knows how to speak death. It is that much more important that we surround ourselves with brothers and sisters in Christ who speak life. I want to encourage you. Take the step today, mom and dad, grandparent, singles, Walk into a covenant today. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to encourage you to make that promise with God. God, I'm going to make a covenant with you to do everything that I can to be the man or woman of God that you're calling me to be. And friend, as you make that promise, if you feel led this morning to make that promise... I'm telling you, God's going to show up in incredible ways, but you've got to be willing to do the work beyond Sunday service. Come on, somebody. Because it's more than just what's happening here. It's about continually, daily, turning to God and renewing that covenant. Would you bow your heads with me? For just a moment, I'm going to encourage you. Would you just tell him in your own words? Would you just, if you feel led today, I don't want to force anybody to make a covenant that you're not willing to, that your heart's not in. But if you say, Pastor, I want to be all that I can be in Christ. I want to be that man or woman of God that he's calling me to be. Friend, all I'm going to ask you to do in this moment, would you just pray to him and tell him that? Lord, from this moment on, I want to walk in a renewed relationship with you. Even if you've been serving the Lord for years, Maybe you're like a professional Christian, right? Whatever it may be, however long you've been serving the Lord, 
let's renew our covenant with him daily. Turning to him saying, God, I need your help to be a better, and you fill in the blank, husband, wife, grandpa, grandma. And if you're single here today, I want you to take the covenant here and now saying, Pastor, someday if I come in contact with families or as I have my own, I'm taking a covenant now to be a godly example. Why don't you just tell them that in your own words, friends? I'm going to ask in just a moment, if you feel inclined, if you're new with us, the reason why we lift our hands is because it's symbolic of what's happening internally. And internally, we're surrendering our hearts to Christ. And so church, as we close out in prayer, I'm going to ask you, would you just lift your hands up as a sign of surrender to him? Saying, God, from this moment forward, I'm running after you. Lord, I pray for every outstretched arm today. I pray your anointing and your favor upon this incredible church. Help us, God. We're not looking for another self-help book because we recognize that there's a shelf life. But Lord, when we turn to you, it makes all the difference. It's eternal. It, it, It outlasts us. So God, I pray for every raised hand in this place that they would become the man and woman of God that you have called them to be with your help, Lord. I pray your anointing, your Holy Spirit favor, Lord Jesus. Help us to be a light in the world around us, recognizing that family indeed matters. It matters. Now, Lord, I pray that as we leave this place that you would set up divine appointments where we have teaching opportunities, not only for our kids and kids that we come in contact with, not only for them, but also the world around us where maybe we run into somebody who's a broken parent or maybe they're struggling with their marriage. God, help us. Give us the words, whatever it may be, Lord Jesus. We want to follow in your will. Now, Lord, as we go from here, I pray once again that you would lead us, guide us, break us, mold us, and shape us into who you desire us to be. We ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said? And everybody shouted? This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.